Dear Lord, open us. Open our hearts and minds that by the power of your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, that as I read these scriptures and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I said, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. So writing possibly, we say possibly because we're never quite sure, but write, what, writing possibly eight centuries, 800 years before Christ, the prophet uses the images of a vineyard to speak about the relationship between Israel and Yahweh, as they would refer to him, or God. Isaiah 5, 1. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes. But, the divine but, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done of it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste, and it shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plantings. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. Now we turn to the gospel according to Luke. Luke 12. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem as he walks up that hill day by day, teaching as he goes. Today's passage follows the teachings about hypocrisy, anxiety and worry, and watchfulness. Here's his next lesson. Luke 12, verse 49. Jesus said, I came to cast fire on the earth, and would, it, and would that it was already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is, it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two, two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say it once. A shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites. 
You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? It ends abruptly, by the way. I now turn to Hebrews. The letter to the Hebrews, verse 11. Verse 11 is the famous one that goes, it talks about uh, faith. So Paul writes, we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is at the base of many human actions. The idea of human faith is illustrated in our lesson from Hebrews. 11, 29 to 12, 2. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on a dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. What more shall I say? For time would fall, fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who, though, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. 12.1 Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin, which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. May God bless the reading of this word. two I could work with, what's been holding you back? Or 
Are you too making excuses? The passage that I focused on, as I said before, was Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, which is, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We hear those words. We've heard them so many times. Every, every year or so, we'll, we'll hear that passage uh, throughout the, the church year. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to fall on a day like today. But the thing is, is that, that I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the way he says, let us lay aside every weight. Well, what weight is that? It deserves explanation. It deserves, as I would, would uh, say, it deserves to be drilled into to figure out what weight is he talking about and how might I carry those weights. Well, I've got an interesting story. Come, came to me from another pastor, but I have an interesting story. Well, I think it's interesting, so I, get, I guess everybody else thinks it's interesting too, you know. So, but uh, the pastor told, uh, Dr. Wagner told the story of when he was a child, and it was about, uh, well, I'll let the story speak for itself for now. When I was a young boy, my family and I used to visit my grandparents in northern Ohio. I loved them greatly, and they had a tremendous influence upon my life, he wrote. We always went to church with them, especially since my grandfather was a retired minister. On one particular Sunday morning, I remember my grandmother telling my mother that she didn't think she would go to church that day. I distinctly remember her saying, I can't lift my arm to my hair to comb it. Because she couldn't comb her hair, she didn't want to go to church. Because she didn't like the way she would look, she didn't want to go to church. I can remember those kind of conversations in my own family. And I have a feeling you may have heard them. I won't accuse you of saying them, but you might have heard such conversations in people. Is that that these, these things that can, again, get in the way or these things that we think are important can stop us from acting out. Max Lucado said, God never said that the journey would be easy, but he did say that the arrival would be worthwhile. In other words, he's saying, the walk of faith following Jesus is not an easy path. But the journey is worth it because of what's coming. As you've heard me say so many times, it's like, it's like this. It's that, that, thank God this is not the last experience of our life. Thank God this is not the last experience of our life. Now, let's say something about this. Faith versus excuses. So there is, there's, there, there are, there, you know, the ideal is faith without excuses. And why would you not want to have excuses in your faith? So we're, we're given faith. So many people think that you work up to faith, that somehow you nurture it like in a garden and it comes up like a carrot. But no, faith is given to us. Faith is instilled in us by, of all things, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us our faith. Therefore, sometimes when you believe that somebody has no faith, it may not be their fault. It may be what God has yet to act upon them. But we all, and some people think that our faith is, is, has been instilled in us and, and, and waits for the right moment. But for whatever reason, 
We don't generate the faith within us. We're given that faith. But then, just because we're given that faith doesn't mean that it's going to like, become part of our character. It, it needs some encouragement. It needs to be exercised. It needs to be let out. And so, and, and, and I find, as I watch church people, and especially these days, I always find that, you know, we come up with a variety of excuses as to why we don't want to act out upon our faith. We'd much rather wring our hands. We'd much rather nitpick. We'd much rather criticize. We'd much rather find something else to do on Sunday morning. We'd much rather be anything but faithful. Because what happens when we're faithful? We do things that we didn't expect to do. The life gets really strange when you act upon your faith. A wonderful, wonderful elderly woman that I left behind in Virginia, her sister died just this week. And then Betty Wallace and her sister Vivian died after a long illness. Doesn't matter. Like I said about Roberta, doesn't matter how long you live. To lose a sibling is painful. I have lost my share of them. But where I'm going with this is that, that Betty reminded me of a sermon I preached eons ago. And it was that I preached that sometimes the Spirit gives you this urging. And you don't know why you just got that urging. But she says she's learned to act upon it. She's learned that it is only for the better. And two days before her sister died, she had one of those urgings. She felt the Spirit urge her to go speak to her sister. Her sister, remind you, is, had been ill for months. There was no indi indication that she would pass at this time. But she said, I'm so thankful that I paid attention to that urging. I'm so thankful that I was open to that urging. We all get those things. But so many times we put an excuse in there. I'll get it later. Oh, it can't be. It must have been the pizza I ate this morning. There's things that we just throw in the way of that urging. But if we could just be wide open, imagine what may happen. Imagine the impact the Spirit would have upon you. Imagine where your faith may go. The letter to the Hebrews makes that statement of lay aside every weight. I love how the scripture is written because it's, it's like you can you know, lay aside every weight and then it leaves us to define what the weight is. Well, I think for this morning, I think the weight is, are those excuses that we carry around, that we use, we almost use them habitually. I think that works in this passage. That indeed, our excuses are like weights. And they wear us down. They misdirect us. And all I hear in the letter is, drop the weights. Stop the excuses. And walk, even if it's a feeble walk. Walk your walk of faith. So, this day, as you go about your life, as you may feel some of those urgings, I want you to reflect upon 
Not what I say, but what the scripture says. Reflect upon your own choices. Hear yourself making excuses. I know I've made my share. Took me 20 years to show up at seminary. Though I'd been urged for a previous 20 years. But reflect upon your choices and, and see what it's maybe may, may say to you and discern, discern the, the excuses you may be singing and using so that you can live your life of faith given to you, that privilege you have. Consider what hurdles may be in your path as you hope to run that race. That race that's set before you. As Wagner continued in his story, I thought that was a pretty lame excuse to skip church. No one challenged her, however. Not even my grandmother, my, my grandfather as far as I know. Perhaps she had arthritis and really made it difficult for her to comb her hair. She had a lot of pride. And she, and she wouldn't think of going to church with her hair in a mess. Or perhaps since she had been to church thousands of times before, she just lost her enthusiasm. Maybe it happens. Just because you make excuses doesn't mean you're a sinner. But because we carry that weight, we're missing out. We're missing out on that life, those steps, that path, that race that may be so absolutely exciting that you wish you could live forever. Oh, that's right. You will in Christ. Let us pray. Lord, as we reflect upon our choices, we know, just as earlier prayer said, that you, you know our needs inside. You know, you know our, our, our way. You know our walk. You know our needs. Therefore, Lord, we also know you love us. Out of your love and mercy, help us to see through our excuses. Help us to take hold of that faith that you have instilled in us by the Holy Spirit and help us to run that race that's set before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you're able, I invite you to rise, grab your hymnals, and prepare to sing hymn number 404, Faith of Our Fathers. Faith of Our Fathers. Thank you. 